Give the secret handshake. Check your cloaks and remove your tinfoil hats. This is the Illuminati Social Club. The podcast you don't want they to know about. This is bullshit. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Welcome to uh, episode 108 of the In Search Of series here on the Illuminati Social Club. I'm your host, Jason, from Parma, Ohio. Joining me as always is Oliver from Guelph, Ontario. Hello, all. And from uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we have Steve. How you doing? Hey, not too bad. How's it going? Good. <sighs> so, well... A couple weeks ago, we had uh, a very science-based episode, and it looked like last week, about halfway through the the episode on earthquakes, it was going to be more of that, more of the same there with all the science. And then they they cracked out the uh, they cracked out the loony. And this week, oh, we're just all loony all the time. Thank then, God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was getting tired of all that science crap. I know, I was learning way too much. (laughs) So yes, this week we are doing The Mummy's Curse. And it starts off with like this thing about a play where they name the... the, These two women name the, the, the pharaoh Akhenaten. And it's like, you know, supposed to be some... You know, some like they're 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 defying the gods by by naming him. And I don't know. And then something befalls them, which we'll get into. But yeah, what were, what were your uh, Oliver? What, what were your impressions of this episode? This was cuckoo from beginning to end. I, I loved, I loved every single moment of it. It was hysterically funny. Um, uh, okay, uh, I come from English parents, so I yes. know, I know stuffy English when I see it. Okay, and that's where we begin with uh, Lord Whatever's son. Oh yes, who refers to his father as Papa, Papa. and already, already we're in trouble. I, I know. <laughs> Okay, we're already in trouble. What He's, was his name again? Lord Carnarvon. Yeah, Lord Carnarvon. His, his kid, I guess, who would become yeah. Lord Carnarvon after his death. Um, yeah, he, he was a sixth Earl. Yeah. Kid was a sixth Earl. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's sitting there in his chair in his in his stately Wayne Manor. Um, uh, you know, Savile Road to the to the teeth. Okay, he's. Uh, and he's just the worst English stereotype ever, you know. And he's talking about his, his, you know, how his papa, you know, fell to the drink into smoking while he's sitting there with a drink and a pipe. I know, I know, it's hysterical. <laughs> anyway, we get we get the backstory that uh, uh, the Lord got shipped off to Egypt because his doctor said he had to, you know, he had to have a, a winter home. Mm-hmm. And uh, he picked Egypt, and uh, and so he got uh, he met up with Howard Carter, who is the main player in all of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Howard Carter milked him for some cash for fifteen years, where while he uh, searched for uh, a tomb that they thought was 
not there in the Valley of the Kings in Egypt. Right. And voila, one day he found a set of stairs and that led to King Tut's tomb. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of the shenanigans that uh, follow the opening of the door. Yeah. Shenanigans. <sighs> aba- shenanigans abound. Supernatural shenanigans. Uh-huh. Yes. First of all, I-, I would like to start off by saying that King Tut, a.k.a. Tutankhamun, was not really a major pharaoh. He wasn't a big, he wasn't a significant pharaoh. The only thing that makes him significant is that his was the first complete tomb ever found. Like, it was the first untouched probably since um like a few years after his death um yeah. besides that i mean the the you know and no no offense oliver but you know the british uh you know completely ransacked egypt for everything oh of course uh, oh, to absolutely. the point where to the point where they brought mummies back and were like selling them for like a few dollars you know as, as show pieces and in some cases even burning them in trains to power the train oh yeah the, the English were the English were dingbats, you know, during this whole time. That's the other thing is that uh, uh, just as a little aside, uh, well, Howard Carter was wasting uh, uh, the Lord's money for fifteen years. Uh, he was <laughs> he probably was using slave labor to do all oh, of this. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I doubt Howard Carter was there in the desert with a shovel. You know, no. it's it's like oh, the worst of English colonialism. You know. <laughs> Through and through in all of this. Um, um, but they open the tomb and apparently that lets loose. Uh-huh. The mummy's curse. The mummy's curse, of course. And you're, you're right. In the in the scale of things, King Tut was basically Prince Edward. I mean, nobody yeah. cared, right? Yeah. yeah, he was, like like I said, the only thing they cared about was the fact that his was a complete tomb. Right. You know, it had everything in it. So you got to see, like the riches that they were buried with because his was fairly well sealed. Mm-hmm. So very, very little was removed from it, but like most other, uh, you know, the, the, the tomb of Ramses the second was, was destroyed from early. Right. Um, and the pyramids were, were ransacked completely. There's barely anything left in those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, to to find King Tut's tomb was only big in the archaeological sense of you know seeing okay this is how they were buried so this is really cool we have some old stuff now so um I mean there was, oh, yeah. there was some religious conflict during his time with mm-hmm. old God being restored but even that wasn't him no that was the priests around him and mm-hmm. he, he, he was only about 18 when he died so it's it's not like he had the, the opportunity for a long reign anyway i mean but wasn't it wasn't it wasn't his father-in-law was it his father-in-law who decided to switch out you know the old gods for the yeah. sun god yeah and yeah, that's what that. that's what started it made all these priests unemployed yeah and and that was kind of the surrounding be- behind this curse is that <laughs> exactly. the, the the priests of the old gods uh, you know, decided to uh, 
enshrine uh, the evils uh, inside his tomb because his his father-in-law or something like that had decided to switch gods. Yeah, and, and apparently part of the curse was that his father-in-law's spirit or soul or however they, they define it was, was cursed to walk the earth. And um, he couldn't mention so, his name. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right, yes. Because so, that's what so, happened... That's what happens with Cagney and Lacey in the play, right? Is that they yeah. mention his name. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, like like several people fell ill and, and were almost blinded and stuff during a rehearsal of the play, you know, which could only be the mummy's curse. Of course. Of course as I say here, a better explanation for the illnesses uh, could, could be summed up with, uh, you know, hire a better caterer. <laughs> That's what that's what I was thinking. Like the the Cagney and Lacey in the play. I mean, you know, one went blind <laughs> and one one had a stomach ailment. I'm thinking you're going well. Maybe they just had bad seafood. I mean, could be. <laughs> you know, yeah. But we should. I mean, st- the Lord is the first one to die, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. From this thing, yeah. and yeah. it's already ex- it's already explained that he's well, the reason he has to vacation in Egypt is because he's not the strongest person. He, his, no. his lungs are weak to begin right. with. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, because he dies in Egypt because, you know, a mosquito gives him malaria or whatever happened, but, right, is, well, he was halfway dead before he got to Egypt. You yeah, know? no kidding. Yeah. In the days before, before this was pre-antibiotics, this was pre-sulfa drugs, was it not? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, any of these English, these pale, pasty English guys going to Egypt, of course they were going to die because they just weren't immunized to what was around them. So the the fact that uh, that the Lord you know kicked off while he was in Egypt is not a curse. That's just right. Life. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he probably died of blood poisoning. Yeah, probably. Um, or he had, like he had a bad falafel or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then they talk about the deterioration of the mummy. You know, Ramses' mummy. You know, as being part of the curse. Because, you know, no one's supposed to. You know. An inspector see the see the body of a pharaoh. Um, more likely, there it was. Uh, you know, they removed it from Egypt, which is arid. It's very dry. Uh, it's hot, and they moved it to Paris, where it's cold and rainy. You know that that couldn't be that couldn't do anything to you know ad- advance the deterioration of a mummy. Well, that's the other thing, Jason, is that they, you know, once you unwrap something, you know, yeah. <laughs> I could put out, I could put out any organic substance outside of a Twinkie and let it sit for, and so it's going to degrade in some way, mm-hmm. right? So I, do, I never understood what the big mystery was about this. It's like if you unwrap the mummy, then yeah, it's, there's still organic matter there. That's part of the mummification process. So of course, bacteria are going to attack it. Yeah, and, and like I said, you're taking it out of Egypt and moving it to Europe, which you yeah. know the 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 slight climate uh, difference there, you know, yes. just just ever so slight, you know. Does the word mold mean anything to anybody? <laughs> yeah, but but you're also ignoring the other evidence. What other evidence? The the other evidence that proves that it was the mummy's curse that killed Lord Carnarvon. Because at the, the exact same time that he died, the family dog, back in England, stood up on its hind legs, howled, and then died. Yes, I forgot about that, Steve. There, there's your there's your proof. 
as he so lovingly refers to the dog, his bitch. Um, <laughs> at, at the uh, let's see, um, what what year was this? 23? Uh, I'm going to guess that timekeeping, uh, you know, is not uh, you know the most accurate thing in 22 or 23. Right, or the dog had part of the falafel. I mean, it's yeah. like <laughs> you know, come on. It's just, but I know that there's a guy that you two want to talk about, but just before we get to him, <laughs> um, Lord Jr., when he's, when he's in Egypt and his dad dies, mm-hmm. he says something that caught my ear, and you're going to have to explain this to me. He said he got a flashlight. Huh. Did yeah, they have yeah. flashlights in 1923? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they, had ba- think... they had batteries then? I don't oh, know yeah. if it was battery operated, but yeah, I think they had flashlights. Okay. <laughs> Then I stand corrected. A lamp, a, la- a lamp. May I, I mean I get, but I I could have been. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. Because apparently all the lights in Cairo went out. More proof. Oh yes. Of course, we're also thinking. Um, you know, if he was British, wouldn't he refer to a flashlight as a torch? That's a good point. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. That's just weird. So, but yeah, you know, so, so coincidences are now, um, well, coincidences are always a supernatural. Of course. course. Yes. Yes. You know, if if somebody can't explain it, it has to be supernatural. (sighs) So now we go to our historian, also known as a co-author of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, we think. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying we think it's the same Henry Lincoln, who was uh, part of uh, the Holy Blood Holy Grail uh, authorship, along with um, oh Bajent and uh, Richard Lee. I can't remember Bajent's first name, but so yes, uh, was was Bajent the French guy who who kept all of this in his safety deposit box in the fifties? Was that the guy? No, 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 no. That was um oh, I can't remember. Yes, we were talking about uh basically the Da Vinci code. Um no, that was the guy that was the guy who had like this this supposed document that proved that he right, was right. uh the bloodline of the Merovingian kings and right. you know, so he he was trying to get the uh he was trying to become the king of France. Oh, that's right. It was Mike, Michael Bajan. Michael, Michael Bajan. Bajan. Michael, yep. So, yeah, this, uh, 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 I can't remember what his name is. It's basically Hen- the Priory of Henry Sinai. Lincoln. All right. Well, Henry Lincoln was the, he, he was one of the authors on Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And he is our Egy- Egyptian historian, despite not having any degrees in history. Um. Anyway, you were uh, Steve. You were the one who pointed this out. <laughs> yes. You, you pointed. You pointed that. You pointed me at that. And I was like, "Whoa, wait, what?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he also wrote three early episodes of Doctor Who. All right. The Patrick Trotton version um, hmm. uh, with with the Yeti and the Abominable Snowmen. Oh, okay. So this is right up his alley. Yep. Uh, he might he might be in the Yeti episode of In Search of as well. I hope so. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but he start, 
ahead. No, go ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to say he becomes a, an expert because he happens to visit the Asmolean Library where Egyptian things are are kept. Oh, okay. So he's a historian who visits the library. Hmm. That's like saying I'm a plumber because I use the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. So we're so so we're finally back to to uh, you know people with uh, dubious scholarship to. Uh, you know, to tell us what's what about the story. Because uh, he really, he's, uh, he's an actor, a screenwriter, and an author. Um, he uh, graduated from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And it doesn't say anything about him being a, about, you know, being a historian or anything. Um, let's see. He co-authored... And authored a series of books, um, which, uh, of course, Holy Blood, Holy Grail was the most popular. Um, apparently, though, when uh, the authors sued Dan Brown for the Da Vinci Code, he was not involved in the lawsuit. Uh, at first, it was uh, citing illness, and then later on, he said that, uh, well, we, we, we took a lot of information from other people for that book. So Right. <laughs> And and did this book really sell until the Da Vinci Code came out and everybody figured out it was the source material? Did it was it a bestseller before the Da Vinci Code? No, no. It 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 started selling after the Da Vinci Code came out. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it probably sold some copies. Obviously, you know, prior, you know, like right. when it first came out. But then, when Dan Brown brought out the Da Vinci Code, uh, it rekindled that interest and people wanted to read holy blood holy grail which i found out was uh kind of dry and boring now correct me if i'm wrong you too but when henry starts to talk isn't he basically contradicting himself <laughs> he does this whole he does this whole soliloquy that begins <laughs> with the mummy's curse is bull and then <laughs> he ends up i just found it very contradictory was that your impression as well uh yeah, yeah, I, I got that idea too. Like the again, it, it, it was kind of like the last episode, and we're sort of like the first half was really good, and then the second half was crap. Because what he says in the first half of his, of his little speech there is actually quite good. Because basically, what he says is the mummy's curse is rubbish, and the reason that there we think there's a mummy's curse is because the newspapers needed something to write about. Hmm. Because Lord Carnarvon and Howard Carter had a um, deal with uh, the Times, hmm. and the, ta- the so the the Times got all their information, and so basically the the tabloid press needed something to write about, hmm. and so they created this idea of the the Mummy's Curse. Now that's a really good idea, but then Oliver was right; he seemed to sort of contradict himself mm-hmm. after that. And sort of back off on that idea of the mummy's curse being rubbish, uh, because then he brings up the idea of of the play again. He's the one who sort of talk, talks more in depth about the play, and so by that point, it sounds like he's saying that the mummy's curse is real because there's this evidence of these women in the play who were attacked in their dreams and then had eye problems and stomach problems. So you're, I think you're absolutely right there. He does seem to sort of contradict himself sort of halfway through uh, his little talk there. So they had some bad clams 
went to sleep, um, and had bad dreams. Uh, you know, that, that makes more sense to me. It, it does to me. I mean, the whole thing, <clears throat> the whole thing just wilts on any kind of common sense whatsoever. <laughs> and the other thing that they point out, and to their to their credit, we have to say this, that uh, by the end, Leonard Nimoy is going, well, you know, Howard Carter lived till he was 64, nothing, and he was the first one to crack it open. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more people that, uh, you know, have lived through all of this that have died. Um, so, again, I get to the point, when they do this, I kind of get to the point, well, what's the point of doing the show? I know I've said this before. It's like, if you're going to dispel all the wackiness right at the end for your journalistic integrity, then why have I just spent the last 22 minutes going through all the craziness? I mean, I know why, because it's hysterical. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I'm just kind of thinking, these, all, of the, all of this is very circular reasoning, <laughs> I find, <laughs> that I, I don't know what they're attempting to do in this. But, I mean, the ride is fantastic. Oh uh, man, it's just kookiness it, upon kookiness. Can I ask you one other thing? Sure. I think I've I've counted. This is episode eight. Yes, I think I, this is the fourth time that they mentioned Manoa. Manoa. What is the What yeah. is the big deal about Manoa? I don't know. Maybe it's coming up in the season finale. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Isn't it? Wasn't that like a Hellenic uh, before the Greeks? Uh, the, uh, was this the, the the society before that? I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and a, and a lot of the stories that the Greek stories that we get come from the Minoans and stuff like that. Like we'll we'll, we'll probably meet the Minoans when we get to the episode on Atlantis as well. Which I think is coming up uh, the next time we record. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so, so that'll be the fifth time that the Minoans. I should get yeah. a travel brochure. Yeah. I I don't know much. About, I don't know. I don't know much about them. I I really don't. Now, don't get me wrong. I loved. I love Egypt the history of Egypt. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the great things about oh, Egypt is that they worshiped cats right up my alley because of course, cats, cats are nature's ninjas. Um, but, um, I just, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, why didn't they just leave it alone? Just leave it alone. I think that's one of the terrible things about our, our civilization the Western civilization is that they just didn't leave these things alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, oh. one of, one other thing I just wanted to mention: Did they mention that someone had broken into to King Tut's tomb before? That they had some. Yeah, there there seemed to be some evidence that some of the stuff had been disturbed. Hmm. Um, and so they. But there was no date on that, right? No, no, no. No, they, there, they, there was they, no. They theorized perhaps that somebody was afraid of the mummy's curse and ran away. Well, this was the thing is that, you know, they made a big point that he was decorated in this vulture necklace, which is, you know, a sign of the dead and all this kind of stuff. Well, wouldn't wouldn't it go to to reasoning? I mean, we even do this to this day where the dead are are made sure that they're not touched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. something that seems to go through down through human civilization. Excuse me. I I want to know why, you know, why why wouldn't they just go to like uh, the uh, the the Supreme Council on Antiquities in Egypt and talk to them about the mummy's curse. You know, because there that that is a thing in Egypt. You know, they're, they they have a director who who pretty much oversees all of the tombs and stuff in Egypt. So they might be able to tell you something, but of course they're they're not going to go talk to them. No. <laughs> 
there, there's a thing that I, I kind of noticed, and I don't know if you two picked up on it too. Um, and this may sort of partially answer your question, that question is there seemed to be a real division between the way they treated the Egyptians and the Europeans. Hmm. Because like when, when Harry Lincoln was talking about the play, one of the other things that happened during the play was there was a hailstorm, mm-hmm. right? And he said the, the Egyptians believed that it was gods throwing stones at them. And he said something along the lines, this is not an exact quote, but it's something along the lines, to the superstitious Egyptian mind, <laughs> right? Whereas everybody else didn't think, think that because they were sort of white Europeans. And there seemed to be this sort of almost racist undercurrent <laughs> where the Egyptians were sort of cast as these sort of superstitious weirdos who believe in all this kind of stuff, whereas we're, you know, sort of... Superior white men. Yeah, white this, men. Always, this always makes me giggle because Steve is right on about, about somehow that people that we don't know about or are brown people have these weird superstitions that we have all kind of grown out, out of because we have uh-huh. the enlightenment, Okay. A large part of the Western world still on every Sunday mimics, mimics, mm-hmm. okay, cannibalism <laughs> yes, as, yes. A supersti- as a superstition, <laughs> yes. okay? Don't talk to me about someone else's superstitions until you deal with your own superstitions. And, and, and if you're talking Catholics, they're not mimicking it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the idea of transubstantiation means that you are actually... Eating it, yeah. Yes, it's, the flesh. It's not, you're not yeah. mimicking it. It's not symbolic. It's actual. To to a uh, to a slightly you know lesser extent, uh, you know, go in any uh, go in any skyscraper and look for a thirteenth floor. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Jason. Yeah. It doesn't you know it doesn't have to be. Well, I mean that comes from a religious tenant, but even still, right. And you mentioned you mentioned about lucky number seven in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, in Asian culture. Seven is a lucky number. Four means death. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's the numerology stuff. So they don't talk to me about other people's superstitions until you deal with our own, please. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, how many people, how many people rub their lucky rabbit's foot before, uh, you know, before filling in their, their lotto ticket? Yes. To, to attempt to win, you know, against impossible odds. Yeah, the, you know, buying a lottery ticket <laughs> is a superstition <laughs> in itself. Exactly. That's yeah. why I don't buy them. So, yeah, this is a fascinating episode. Um, it's fascinating I, of the cuckoo-ness. It's just I'm, great. I'm glad, I'm glad to be back on the side of the cuckoos. So am I. I mean. It's so much more relaxing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there, there's, more to, there's more to talk about. Uh, like, like we said, I think between the break was, you know, the last episode on earthquakes was just, um, it was so hard, you know, it's so hard to talk about because, like, the, the whole first half was, like, legitimate science. And it's a downer, man. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, you can only talk about uh, you know planetary alignments for so long. Um. Anyway, uh, let's see. What is our what is our next episode coming up? Let me uh, let me uh, find let me find the episode guide here. While you're looking um, that up, I'll, I'll just say sort of one more thing. Um, sort of back to Oliver's idea of why do we go through this? The ending to me, and, and you two can sort of uh, agree or disagree, but it, it felt like almost because because 
the the show was aired during that tour of the 70s that the treasures of king tut was doing the ending almost gave me the feeling of people again were concerned that they might be cursed if they went and saw king tut's treasures and it was kind of almost like don't worry about it you're not going to be you're not you're not going to die you go and see King Tut. I just kind of had that kind of feel at the end that, that they were trying to lessen people's fear about this. Hmm. I could be wrong, but that's sort of the, that's the sense that I had sort of at the end. It, it, it kind of felt that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, either that or they're just trying to build up, uh, you know, hey, go see this. Go go to your local museum and see this. We make money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. That's true. Um. Anyway, our next episode is ooh, right up my alley, Martians. Oh what? my god. Okay. Oh, and fo- following that one, uh, Steve, you you referred to it already, Atlantis. Oh, that's a nice. Okay. So excellent. We got two great episodes coming up. We can talk. Okay. About, no. What's that? We get to talk about Plato. Yep. I am booking my hotel room in Manila right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, Oliver, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Oliver Rockside, or you can go to my new project, which is reviewing 20 years of a law and order. That's at the 27th precinct.com. And you can find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Excellent. Uh, Steve. Where can they find you? I am on Twitter at Doc Pinko, D-O-C-P-I-N-K-O. Excellent. And you can find me at Alien CG on Twitter. You can find this podcast at Illuminati Pod. And you can find this, uh, you can find all the, all the podcasts I've done along with uh, the rest of this series uh, at AlienCG.com slash ISC. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen. Wow, I got really nothing to end this one on. Go 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 see a nice uh uh a nice exhibit of Egyptian treasures and don't worry about getting cursed. Have a good week, everyone. Toodles, kids. See ya.